Uh, welcome. You are listening to Talk Clean to Me. I'm your host, Joe Karen. And I'm Chloe Holzinger. Today we are sitting down with our very next guest, Kyle. I'll let you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself, please. Hi. Yeah, I'm. Uh, my name's Kyle Kornack, and here to talk about uh, my nonprofit startup, Green Gas, today. Cool. Yeah. And that's what we're really excited about. So we've never had a nonprofit, to my knowledge, on the show. Can you tell us uh, what Green Gas does? So Green Gas, our mission is to make climate action uh, accessible to everyone. And we do that through a habit that everyone has, which is, or most people have, which is driving their cars. And green gas is essentially, uh, it's a, we're, we have a green gas card, which we're actually launching next week. This is our first initiative. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, it's, it's basically a gas card that you connect to your checking account, like Venmo. And then every time you use it to buy gas, it automatically supports programs that clean up your car's pollution. So cool. Tree planting clean energy projects and so forth. So So at the time of purchase of the gas, you'll be supporting carbon offset projects, at least an, at least enough to offset exactly how much you've purchased. Is that the idea? Yeah, exactly. Uh, the card is, we're using a technology that basically adds 10 cents per gallon, mm-hmm. which is enough to uh, offset that footprint of the gallon, which is around 20 pounds of carbon dioxide. Wow. But... You know, usually people's eyes glaze over when you start talking about carbon offsets. So that's been an interesting adventure. Just, interesting. yeah, just, just trying to make that accessible. If you have something that you've identified as intrinsically kind of boring for people like carbon offset, how do you make this? What, what story do you tell to make this engaging to people so you can raise money and get them to participate? Yeah, I think, um, you know, a lot of people have to drive in this country. That's something that people just do on a regular basis. Uh, but at the same time, a majority of these people are genuinely concerned about this concept of climate change. It's a huge problem. And uh, there's kind of this dissonance between their values and their actions. You know, they, they, they want to do better, but they have to take their kids to soccer practice. Maybe they live in a suburb and, mm-hmm. you know, they, can't, they don't have access to public transportation or they can't afford a Tesla uh, yet. Um, so... Uh, so, so the concept here is, you know, you can take a, a giant leap forward by cleaning up your pollution through, through this instrument that we've created. And it, we just make it incredibly accessible. And I think a, a, a story that's just really inspiring uh, is, is the fact that there's, there's a lot of doom and gloom when it comes to climate change. And the majority of articles written about climate change are more pessimistic. Um, but... Uh, I think that really uh, glazes, that brushes over um, all the positivity and the, and the solutions that you guys are highlighting in the show. Um, and so that's what's really exciting is the fact that there are, uh, there's a whole constellation of different types of uh, projects across this globe right now that are in need of dire funding. And we need to scale them. And we can do that through offsetting our carbon footprint. Cool. Yeah. So tell us about some of the projects that these profits would go towards. And I'm also curious to know how you pick them. We're starting off with two projects in our portfolio. Um, one is uh, it's a tree planting project. More specifically, it's a community reforestation project. And it's based down in Nicaragua. And it's managed by a Canadian NGO called Taking Root. Fantastic group. Um, they've been around for around eight years, I believe. And uh, what they do is they take this carbon finance 
and they uh, use it to help smallholders, farmers, um, reforest clear-cut areas. And these are areas that have been uh, deforested back in the 50s uh, in the, in, when there was a cotton boom. And uh, just slash and burn. Basically, it's, uh, it, a tropical rainforest has been turned into a seasonal desert. And it's a terrible situation. Farmers can't produce much. And so what this, this group Taking Root has done is they uh, connect these farmers to the carbon market. And they use that to basically give these farmers microfinance, the, the funding they need to plant cash crops, a mix of native trees. Um, and these cash crops give them a, a long-term income hmm. in the end that creates more of a sustainable program. Um, that's really exciting. They've, uh, they've given over $2 million of payments uh, to farmers. Um, and, and then we have another project that's based in Massachusetts here. It's a clean energy project. But... Um, but you asked, you asked a question about how do we identify these projects. I mean, uh, there's, there's this whole thing, concept of the voluntary carbon market. Um, and that's what we work through. Uh, that's kind of our menu of options, if you will. Mm -hmm. And um, there's, uh, there's a wide variety of different types of projects, from uh, clean energy projects to different types of reforestation to preventing deforestation, uh, protecting a, a forest. And um, we, we have our eye out for projects that really maximize um, the amount of funding that reaches the, the end producer, these, these farmers that are really struggling, living on less than $2 a day. And mm -hmm. so we're interested in projects that um, go beyond just absorbing carbon right. from the atmosphere. Yeah. So your goal here is more... Uh, to focus on those reforestation type of goal, type of projects, rather than a promoting a community solar project. What's interesting is there aren't many community solar projects. I actually haven't found any in the carbon market. Um, so there's a whole problem with the voluntary carbon market in terms of kind of being cut off from innovation and access to some of these projects that we really want to fund at the moment. But in the future, we hope to, um, and. Uh, yeah, one step towards that is by just increasing the demand for these projects. And so that's kind of what we're trying to do with the green gas card here. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to learn more about the voluntary carbon market. There are carbon mar there are tons of different types of carbon markets uh, around the world. Um, and you can kind of separate them into two categories. One is compliance markets, um, and the other is voluntary. And compliance markets are basically markets that are mandated by policy. We're more focused on the voluntary carbon market. The whole uh, essence of the voluntary carbon market is uh, you're going beyond business as usual, or you're creating impact that otherwise wouldn't have happened. There's a couple hundred different projects on the market right now, and the market size is pretty small. It's kind of a nascent market. It's like, I think it was 175 million last year mm -hmm. in transactions. Um, and it's actually waning as a market. Interesting. Um, but I guess I'll, I'll back up for a sec. I mean, the main the main buyers of the carbon of these carbon projects are uh, corporations. Uh, when it comes to corporate social responsibility and uh, you know wanting to achieve a net zero uh, goal as a company, uh, carbon offsetting is a, an important part. Of course, you reduce as much as possible, but hey, at the end of the day, you have this irreducible impact. And um, it's better to offset that than to do nothing about it. And right. so um, that's 
what's interesting and kind of touching on your question about what is the problem here that I see this market is um, it's it's so out of touch for individuals. It's super wonky. Less than 1% of the demand in the voluntary carbon market as of 2016 came from individuals. Hmm. Less than 1%. So um, that just goes to show, and, and think about how many people would want to contribute to this. How many people are frustrated with their climate impact who want to do better? Um, and driving is a core part of this carbon footprint. And, you know, um, if e- even 1% of people driving their cars right now were to use the green gas card to uh, clean up their pollution, uh, we'd raise $130 million um, for these climate solutions, which almost doubles the size of this market. Interesting. So it's, you know, there's a large opportunity, I think, in kind of democratizing yeah. uh, this, this market space. And you just got to do it in creative ways. Yeah. And that's something we've been hearing a lot more and you actually sat down and said this was just getting more people involved in carbon offset in sustainability as you democratize it as you said and give more people access to it to say hey i personally find value in this let me actually pay for this value that i want which is offsetting my carbon footprint you can actually drive businesses and if more people are more personally invested in sustainability, that affects the policy side as well because they'll feel have ownership over, mm-hmm. you know, the the policy that their governments are promoting. Exactly. And then, in addition to uh, pursuing individuals, mm. um, and that one percent of the carbon market, voluntary carbon market, are you also looking to partner with corporations and uh, have? truck drivers use this card when they fill up. So that's that's something that we're envisioning in the future is actually leveraging this this um, this network that we're creating of green gas card holders and going to these gas stations and saying, hey, look, people people want to do better. People are actually willing to pay a little bit more for gas, um, which is something that just is totally outside of their paradigm right now. And so uh, we definitely see working with gas stations in the future and then also um, the CSR departments of uh, uh, companies who want to go above and beyond, companies that have large like fleets. Corporate responsibility. Sorry, acronym. Uh, yeah, corporate social. So we want to work in the future um, with uh, corporate social responsibility departments. Um, we think that uh, right now there are a lot of companies, as I was mentioning, who offset their carbon footprint, but it's chiefly done by an executive, a sustainability director, kind of behind the scenes, and maybe they'll like put it into the footnotes of, uh, of a report at the end of the year. Um, people in the workplace don't really feel that engaged when it comes to that. They think, oh, is this really, you know, is this really accurate? You know, I, I don't, it, it doesn't really touch them emotionally. And so what, what we offer is we offer this kind of this instrument, this green gas card that um, corporates can help sponsor the carbon offset in the future. And or even pay for the entire entirety if people are driving for work purposes, and um, and it's a way of extending your company's sustainability ethic into the daily lives of all of your workplace, uh, inside and outside of work. Can you tell us more about your original plan to work with oil and gas companies more directly, and why you pivoted, and how you pivoted, and now it sounds like you'd love to come back around. Let's talk like business strategy a little bit there. Our first business model um, was let's 
let's reframe the middle octane button. You know, who uses the middle button when they when they drive? Either you're going to get regular, most people do, or you you maybe you need premium and. Who chooses the middle button? And it's actually, it's, it's declined in the last 15, 15 years to around 2% of people nationwide use the middle button. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I thought to myself, well, why not turn this into an opportunity for these gas station business owners, you know, and create a more environmental option for people? Um, and at the same time, these gas stations could maybe generate a little bit more revenue and loyalty amongst a new demographic that they've been totally out of touch with. Mm-hmm. They don't think they don't know sustainability. They don't they don't think about that typically. And so um, that was the, kind of the initial business model. So what did they say when you went to them and you said <laughs> this? That's what I want to know. Sure, uh, retail fuel is just a really crowded, commodified industry, and their headspaces are purely focused on, uh, you know, doing business and making very slim margins with gasoline. It's a really tough business to be in. And actually, around 60% of gas stations are single unit owners. It's very franchised industry. Mm. So you end up with a lot of, uh, you know, smaller guys who are running these businesses, and they don't have the headspace for this type of thing. let alone, you know, the will to understand it typically. So that's kind of what we ran into was just a lack of conversations that we could even have. But um, then we realized there's a sweet spot with uh, the right size of gas station, Mm. you know, and we see that as gas stations that have at least 20 stations, uh, gas station brands that have at least 20, and they're private brands. So they have full control over their marketing. Uh, we, we veered away from the middle button and, um, and then we thought, okay, let's, let's just create a prompt, you know, on, on the actual pump, you know, you go up to, you go up to get your gas and it says debit or credit, or do you want a car wash or something? Like let's piggyback on that prompt and create that option. And, um, and we're, we're working on that right now actually. Okay. And, um, we're looking to have something, uh, by the middle of this year, kind of like the end of Q2. Um, which we think will be just in time to uh, have hopefully some kind of a momentum uh, behind the green gas card that we can leverage uh, and kind of bolster the case. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So yeah. We usually talk to hardware companies. Oh yeah. So right. <laughs> so it's a new, new change the, here. Yeah, yeah. So this yeah. case is like dramatically huh. faster. You make the cards and you sell them, but you don't really have a manufacturing mm. wait period. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Um, I'd just like to say that uh, you don't have to buy the green gas card. Anyone can get it. They just go on to greengasmovement.org, and you simply sync it to your checking account like Venmo, just a couple minutes, and then we'll send one out for free. Just want to just make it clear that it's it's super easy to sign up for the green gas card here, but um, not to detract from your point, I want to respond to what you're saying. Uh, yeah, we, I came from a manufacturing company before this. I, I experienced firsthand the inertia of um, kind of the manufacturing, the, yeah, the, the, how difficult it is to scale manufacturing and how costly. Um, so it is an utter relief to <laughs> not have to um, produce our own, you know, green gas cards. Cool. So I want to talk a little bit about being a nonprofit, I think this is going to be pretty foreign for a lot of our listeners. Um, so let's just start with the the obvious question. So how do you guys 
raise money? How do you get compensated for your time? What are some considerations around where that money comes from? I just, yeah. if you can sure. pretend that we know nothing, which is close to accurate, about how it went, tell us kind of the guts of how a nonprofit in your specific case works. A, a nonprofit startup, uh, when it comes to funding and, and actually raising the funding for a nonprofit startup, it, it has been so excruciatingly difficult. <laughs> it's been a year and a half and we haven't, we've raised just enough to really get this off the ground. Um, and I guess maybe you could say that that's not too long, you know, consider, you know, looking at other for-profits, but uh, there's just, a, there's, a, there's a lot of competition when it comes to seed funding or initial funding for nonprofits. Um, and also to your question on how do we, how do we make money? How do we, um, you know, what is our, what is our business model? I mean, a nonprofit is essentially a, a regular business that doesn't have profits. So you can generate revenue. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, there's, you know, uh, we've created a social enterprise model with Green Gas in that we, um, Take around, we take a small fraction off the top of every 10 cents to power our, op our operations. And we also have that monthly subscription fee that I was mentioning that also powers our operations. Um, so we do generate revenue and we do actually have a break even point that we hope to reach um, in, the, in our first year. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's totally possible to be a social enterprise in a nonprofit shell, if you will. But the yeah. fund, so when you guys raise funding, those mm -hmm. investors, they don't expect to get anything back when you guys reach a break-even point? For our initial investors, no. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, for, we, we can do royalty financing in the future. So we actually can generate a return it's totally possible to invest in us and receive a financial return mm -hmm. in the future um, that's performance-based. Uh, and also, in terms of investment, uh, you know, we like to consider it uh, a philanthropic investment uh, in that it's, you're investing your funds for a return in uh, measurable impact that we can report back to you. And that's what I want to talk about next. So what is, how do you measure your impact? You know, and what do these guys want to see? What do you count as success? Great questions. Uh, yeah, so we measure impact in the form of uh, number of members that join our program. So how many cars are we essentially taking off the road? Um, we measure impact in overall carbon uh, benefit. How much, how much carbon dioxide have we removed from the atmosphere? by nature of just existing. Um, key goals, our key performance indicators, if you will, um, are uh, conversion rate, when it comes to the green gas card, how much, and, and then also engagement rate. So, um, you know, how much does it cost to acquire a customer? And we have a lot of help when it comes to uh, acquiring that, uh, acquiring those customers. Google gave us a $10,000 a month uh, advertising grant, for instance, which really helps on that end. Um, so there's interesting resources that can be leveraged as a nonprofit that are out of touch or that, that for-profits can't necessarily access. So, but yeah, uh, so how, how many, what percentage of people are willing to actually acquire the green gas card? Um, we're looking for less than $10 cost of acquisition for each cardholder. And, um, and then hopefully 80, our, our goal is 80% of people actually keep the card after four months. Yeah. 
Cool. Well, I mean, what's yeah. striking to me is despite being a, a nonprofit, you know, you're still talking my language with cost of acquisition. Earlier, we were, you know, product market fit, for instance, identifying those mm. uh, gas chain owners who are the right size to be interested, not so small that it, the cost of acquisition is painful, but mm-hmm. big enough and innovative enough so that they actually care about this and you can make an impact. So yeah. that product market fit is all I'm hearing, you know, the cost of acquisition. And I think that's really cool. This is illuminating for me that uh, in a lot of ways, uh, the nonprofit is not so different from the for-profit entrepreneurial considerations that we're used to thinking of. Mm -hmm. Which begs the question, uh, if you had to go back and do it all over again, would you still choose (laughs) nonprofit or would you choose for-profit, B corporation, uh, what have you? Mm. So, you know, as we evolve, you know, I see green gas as a nonprofit, and that's what it is um, in terms of its its core uh, its core foundation, you know, funding principles. Um, but but as we evolve, we'll have these different solutions on the pump, so forth, and we have a couple of other um, you know innovations in mind in in the coming year. And uh, there's definitely for profit ideas. There's B Corp ideas. Um, we're, we're envisioning a much larger company. This is just uh, kind of dipping our toes in the water and, uh, ex- in, in, in understanding what, how we can create these market drivers for the carbon market. I like that. I mean, and WeGoWise, yeah, WeGoWise is an example of that. For instance, you know, we were spun out of a, a nonprofit because... I didn't know that. Yeah, so Boston Community Capital, I don't think it's... Mm-hmm. You know, at least in my experience, too uncommon to have a nonprofit, but also realize you might have a good for-profit idea. And the best way to get this world-changing idea out mm-hmm. there is to let the market drive it in the more traditional fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Once and once you guys have created that market demand, hopefully by doubling the size of the market in the first place, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the goal. And uh, and it's it's really our our core goal is how can we achieve maximum impact? And if if that takes the form of, of, you know, if there's another for-profit idea in the future or a B Corp, um, you know, we're totally agnostic to the structure of the business. Right. Yeah. It's just a matter of, like, what's going to work? Totally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So how'd you guys get started? How'd you find sure. cool people to work with who shared yeah. your mission and were willing mm-hmm. to absorb risk and that you mm-hmm. felt like not only a do we have an idea that's actually worth mm-hmm. dedicating this much of our time to but also these are the people that i want to do it with and subset of that question mm. where did this idea come from mm-hmm. yep all right uh so i used to be uh as i mentioned i used to be a juice guy and uh, <laughs> i was i was typical juice guy yep you know you know those guys yeah those, uh, those juice guys <laughs> um so I, I i i um around 5 years ago i uh joined a for-profit company called jubilee ended up working with that founding team to uh, get our seed round scale a business that uh was doing uh that became a regional beverage brand uh, we saw we saw an opportunity in the market, and and that was the lack of really nourishing beverages on one hand, and then also um, these smaller organic farmers uh, in New England that were struggling to really make ends meet, and so we wanted to create a value add for those farmers, and then also uh, create this whole new product that is you know supporting local agriculture, and uh, and while we were running this business, uh, and as we were we ended up doing more and more successfully. I, I was looking at the, these thousands of beverages uh, in plastic going out of our warehouse doors every day. 
And I was just thinking to myself, like, how can we do better here? We're trying to do something good, but at the same time, we're using a lot of oil when it comes to plastic and our manufacturing footprint is getting heavier by the day. And what do we do? And I realized that we're a high price point beverage. So we could, we had the type of, um, you know, uh, customer base that would appreciate uh, social missions. And I thought to myself, well, there's this externality of carbon in our beverages. What if we just, you know, price that as a cost of goods and pass that on to the end consumer? Like how much would that cost? And realized that, you know, so I did the carbon uh, analysis and it took, it was a learning experience. And this is just kind of a thing I did on, on the weekends. Uh, how much does each one of our beverages weigh in terms of its carbon footprint? Found it out and then looked for forestry projects to partner with and realized that how, you know, the, this actually didn't make the beverage that much more expensive. Increased the price by like one to 2%. And, and uh, I thought to myself, okay, there's gotta be some kind of carbon neutral certification like there's organic certification, and at the time there wasn't. So we ended up creating our own and uh, put it on the beverage, and that justified this small increase, we believe. And we had, you know, we're in like 12 farmers markets every summer in this surrounding area, and people really responded well to that. And so it was an eye-opening experience to kind of use this eco-certification to uh, really cover the cost of externalities as a business model and have... It, kind of like a social campaign, have social impact that your consumers are willing to pay for. Um, and so that was fascinating. And so I just thought to myself, how much would it cost to offset that gallon um, of gasoline? Turns out it's 10 cents. And I thought, well, that's actually way cheaper than expected. Um, how can we apply this model from Jubilee to gasoline and um, have a far bigger impact when it comes to uh, the environment and uh, reaching and, and kind of uh, nudging behavior across the U.S. And so I, I told I told the CEO of Jubilee uh, at the time, Liam Madden. Um, I told him about this idea once, just kind of offhand. And uh, so I've been like kind of sleepless thinking about this. I've been focusing less and less on the beverage company. And the moment he heard it, he looked at me and said, "That is brilliant. We need to create this business." And so we. We stopped everything and, you know, uh, basically wrote the business plan over over that weekend, um, and that was a year and a half ago. And uh, you know, Liam is now a co-founder along with me, and uh, also David Cooch was head of operations at Jubilee, and he's uh, he's now heading up operations for us. So, kind of kind of just uh, evolved out of this beverage company, and, and <laughs> it's it's an it's an interesting evolution to take. But we're all environmentally uh, inclined. We, we all really, truly care. And we all know how each other work. We know our weaknesses and strengths. And we've grown as a team. And so we have this experience as a unit that I think is, uh, is really powerful. So. Can you, so in the, in the history of mm. this company, Green Gas, can you point sure. to one moment that you think of as the most challenging, that was the most trying for you personally, <laughs> that like really tested your patience the most? Yeah. If we're talking about a pinpointed moment, um, it, it had to have been last March when we uh, got an email saying we were finalists in this competition that MIT was holding. And they were asking us to come down to the United Nations 
in oh, New York City. I forgot to ask about that. <laughs> Came up anyway. Okay, all right. <laughs> I'm glad. Okay, cool. Well, we'll, we'll, we can... I, ma- I make sure to, to bring that up. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so so I, I couldn't believe it. I, I uh, we, we were invited to go down to the United Nations in just a few weeks' time and pitch this concept that we hadn't even launched yet. We were still, it was still a baby in its concept. You know, we, so we, we, we ended up going and I, I presented this, it was a three minute pitch and uh, it was on the stage of the UN and I was, I think the, the peak moment of fear was as I was sitting in the chair on the UN floor right before I was about to pitch and there were, we were competing against fantastic ideas that are, are just, they're really, they're solutions that are uh, so innovative and their scale is just kind of mind blowing. And so uh, it was an honor to be there. And, um, and I just kind of was in this chair and I'm sweating and I'm just thinking about, okay, I'm gonna have to go up there. And, uh, and I just realized, you know, it's, it's, it's not about me. You know, it's, it's about this vision. It's about, you know, this, this urgent problem that we're all fighting for right now. And I need to do, you know, I just need a channel this this concept and bring it bring it onto the stage and we ended up we ended up winning along with a couple of other groups and um that was a huge boost in terms of reputation access to resources um it was really a quantum leap forward when it came to us just working out of our apartment and now us being recognized on a a global stage and so um incredibly scary uh but um highly rewarding for sure excellent yeah. That's so cool. That's really cool. Great. Yeah. All right. Well, Kyle, I am convinced. Cool. I'm going to go get my card seriously, like after this call, probably even before our next yeah, interview. Yeah, I think me too. I'm on- <laughs> I love it. Clean uh, up your pollution. Yeah. So everybody, if you're, yeah, if you're listening, um, where, so where can they go to sign up, get a card, do whatever they got to do to participate and help you uh, also hit your uh, key performance indicators? Yes. Um, so go to greengasmovement.org. Uh, and you can sign up for it. it takes five minutes kind of works like Venmo just sync your account and you're ready to go we'll send you a card in the mail and join the movement uh, and you know it's, it's going to be fascinating to see how much impact we can collectively um, amass and also we have a a rewards program too, so it's fun, and you can <laughs> earn points. Uh, and there are weekly raffles where you can win ski tickets and Patagonia gear, and we have a lot of companies that are donating stuff to us to help us with this mission. So, um, yeah, it'll be really exciting. Please clean up your pollution if you drive. Uh, this is your opportunity, and it's just super easy. Yeah. Cool. Green we'll link gas- to it in yeah. the show notes. Yep, link in the show notes. Check it out. Uh, let people know um, your friends, family, work. Um, I think it's a really cool idea. Yeah, me too. Cool. All right, you want to take us away, Chloe? Yeah. Thanks, guys. So thank you for joining us this uh, President's Day morning. (laughs) Um, And if you would like to support the show, please tell a friend, tweet at us, Mm -hmm. um, give us a five-star review. Uh, Oh, I don't have a challenge. Um, Do we want to give a challenge? No, they haven't earned a challenge, Chloe. I'm fine with that. We can ask ask Kyle, is there a particular talent that you have maybe or a a dumb challenge you've undertaken personally for no other reason than just to do it that we can (laughs) um, tempt our listeners with for five stars? That's a great idea. I I would say, can you eat a whole habanero? Just no, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe a jalapeno. Okay. Okay. Let's we could take it down a notch. In, in I this. can do that. Yeah, and and the idea there is, uh, you know, if you could videotape it, it's it's really fun to just see someone, 
eat an incredibly hot pepper and deal with it. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> if you leave us my, a five, much. all right, hot five star review, Chloe will eat a jalapeno. <laughs> if for every five, and one whole jalapeno for every five star review we get, wow. uh, indicating that that's what you want. But you have to say that you have to point to this particular episode and say explicitly. I need to do this. <laughs> <laughs> nope. All yep. five-star yep. reviews from now on out. You just get a five-star review and don't write something? <laughs> nope. Doesn't yep. count. All five-star <laughs> reviews Because we don't know on. which episode nope. you listen I think, to. I think for right? every five-star review we ever get from now on, Chloe, you will eat a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We've got a number of five-star I'll go reviews. to the grocery store. <laughs> 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 yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, well, thanks again. Thanks again. 